them and turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to spend a little bit of time there this, uh, this morning, and I'm going to jump to a couple of other scriptures as well. Uh, but I do want to spend some time this morning trying to talk about this idea of what now. Now, you may be thinking, well, what do you mean what now? Easter is usually one of the largest attended days uh, in the church calendar. More people come to church on Easter than at any other time during the year, with the exception of one Sunday. Would you like to know what that other Sunday is? It's Mother's Day. More people attend church on Mother's Day than any other day of the year. Uh, Easter is usually second. And uh, turn, turn me up just a little bit in the monitors, if you will. Don't take me down too far. I know I'm a loud mouth, but don't, don't, don't take me down too far. Watch it, Jane. I see you laughing back there. But I actually saw things on Facebook this week uh, where people were praying for pastors because they said that today is what typically has been known in the church world as Low Sunday. Low Sunday. Have you ever recognized how many negative people there are in the world? I mean, they call it Low Sunday because everyone feels low because of the low attendance that typically follows the high of Easter. But I'm going to tell you today, I don't feel low at all. I feel pretty dadgum good. Can you say dadgum in the pulpit? I'm sorry. I... I'm not sure. They didn't tell me, they didn't teach me that in seminary. So I feel pretty good about being here today because nothing has changed. He is still alive and well, and he has given us everything that we need to be successful in our walk with him. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. You see, last week we asked this question, what if Jesus is dead? I mean, we were hearing uh, all, from all the churches around that he's, he's alive, <clears throat> this is a day of resurrection, <clears throat> and obviously that is true. He did rise from the grave, from the dead, and lives forevermore. But we asked the question, what if in fact he is dead? And we answered that, I think, pretty adequately last week. But at the end of the message, I asked you a question that I'd like to rephrase to you this morning. And the question was simply this. If we say that Jesus is alive, why don't we live like it? Now, I wasn't trying to be a meanie pants. <clears throat> I wasn't trying to be offensive to anyone. <clears throat> but I have noticed that oftentimes we say that we're Christians and that we say that we love the Lord and we say that we're living in faith when in reality we're not. We're not living like Jesus is alive and well. And so I pose that question to you and ask you, if, if you really believe that Jesus is alive, then why don't we live every day like he is alive and like he is living in us? Because I think it's very important for us. Now, I had a lot of people, very positive comments who came up and said, you know, pastor, that's exactly what I want to do. I, I'm going to use this Sunday, this Easter as a reset moment, and I'm going to start living like I used to live. I'm going to start walking with Jesus like I used to walk with him, and, and I'm going to start living as I know that I should. And I Praise the Lord for that. I'm, I'll slap you a high five and say, go for it. And I'm, I'm going to help you in every way that I can. But there are other people who say, well, I feel like I'd like to, but I'm not sure that I know how to. And the reality is, is that there are a lot of people that they don't know everything that they need to know in order to live a godly, 
victorious life. So today I want to talk to you about four things that Jesus specifically addressed so that we would be able to live victoriously. Can I see the hand of every person that wants to be victorious? Can I see your hands? Good. All but three of you. Praise the Lord. Glad to see that. So I want, I want to try and give you an idea of some things that Jesus thought was very important for our life as we walk with him. So the first one is simply this. Jesus resolved the resurrection question that everybody has. Everybody asks for years, is he really alive? Now last week I spent a lot of time trying to tell you that if he wasn't alive, that there were certain things that would be in effect in our lives that would take on a negative nature. But we discovered and decided at the end of the message that he is in fact alive. He is well. He, he's living within our spirit. But we still have this question of what about the resurrection? Well, look if you will at Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Now this is after the resurrection of Christ. This is, this is a, a, a letter that is written that is historical in nature, telling us what we need to know about Jesus. <clears throat> and from the very beginning, chapter 1, Luke takes on this, this question about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he knew that it is the foundation on which we build our faith. Listen, if he didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is useless. You remember listening to me tell you that last week. But he is alive. And here's what he says in verse 3. He says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, let me just quickly bear, uh, bear to you some of the things that you need to see here. It says he showed himself. He actually showed up. He was actually there. They could see him with their eyes. Uh, he, he walked with them. It was after the passion, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection that he was seen. And I like those two words, infallible proofs. <clears throat> In other words, it cannot be questioned. It cannot be denied. He proved that he was alive and well. So what are these infallible proofs? And before I answer that, just let me ask you something. If, if, if you were living in those times and you'd been walking with Jesus and you'd been eating with Jesus and you'd been having fellowship with him on a regular basis and, and then he died and, 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 and you were questioning, you know, is he alive again? What, you know, how would I know? What would be the best way for you to believe that he rose from the dead, that he was alive again. Well, the best way would be for you to be able to see him, for you to be able to hear him speak, for, for him to come to you and fellowship with you, for you to sit down and have a meal with him and to do life with him just like you did prior to the crucifixion. So if you could do that, then you would be convinced that he is alive. I don't care what anybody else says. I know that he is because I saw him today. I walked with him today. I ate with him today. I heard his voice today. We went to Kmart together today. We went to Starbucks today and had a Frappuccino together. I, we, were, we spent the day together. He is alive. I know that he is. Scripture tells us 
many instances and, and shows us many different instances where we know that he was alive. In John chapter 20, he came and revealed himself to Mary Magdalene. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is recorded that he came to the other Mary, Salome, Joanna, and at least one other woman. Let me just stop long enough to say thank God for the women. Amen? The men were all back at the house hiding and playing pinochle, and the women were out doing what needed to be done so that Jesus could be revealed to them. So uh, thank God for the women of the church. Amen? So he revealed himself to them. And then Peter in Luke chapter 24 and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we know that Jesus revealed himself there. In Luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 35, we see that he revealed himself to a man named Cleopas and then another disciple that was on the road to Emmaus. We know that Luke chapter 24 tells us that he appeared to the, the 11 disciples minus Thomas. You see, Thomas was in doubting mode, and Thomas was in a place where he said, well, I, you know, I'm not sure if he's alive or not, so I'm not going to take time to go to the meeting. And so they met together without Judas, who was gone, and Thomas, who was a doubter. So Jesus reveals himself to them. And then he comes another time, we see just a little bit later, later and Thomas was there. And Thomas was the one who doubted. Thomas was the one who said, I, I can never believe that he's alive unless I can see him with my own eyes and unless I can touch him with my own hands. And sure enough, when Jesus showed up and Thomas was there, Jesus went to him and he said, Thomas. And Thomas looked and he said, touch my side and touch my hands. And when Thomas touched him uh, and saw the results of, of his crucified body that was alive now, he simply broke down and said, oh my Lord and my God. He was convinced uh, that even though he had doubted, uh, he had been wrong when he was doubting because Jesus was alive and well. Amen. John chapter 21 tells us that he met with the seven disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Matthew chapter 28 says that he met with the disciples on the mountain in Galilee. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're told that James changes his mind about who Jesus is. You see, James was Jesus' half-brother. And all the time that Jesus was here working miracles and walking and talking among mankind, James knew that he was was a special man, but he didn't believe that he was the Messiah. He didn't know, he didn't believe that he was who he said he was. But something happened to James after the resurrection. All of a sudden, he couldn't deny that this boy, this man that he had grown up with, and this man that he had known all of his life, this man that he had doubted for a while as to whether or not he was divine, and whether or not he was in fact the Messiah, all of a sudden after the resurrection, his eyes were opened and he, his mind was enlightened to the reality that Jesus is alive. And if he's alive, it means that he has overcome death, hell, and the grave. And therefore, he must be the Messiah. And James changed his mind and changed his attitude about Jesus. Can I just challenge you today? Some of you need to change your mind about Jesus. 
You need to change your mind about who he is because you're treating him just like he was some historical figure that was well known and that you've read a lot about. But listen, when you realize who he is, that he is the Messiah, he is the one that they tried to take his life. They couldn't take his life from him. He willingly laid down his life and he said, if you, if you, if you cause this temple to fall, you just wait and see in three days, uh, I'll raise it back up again. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus is alive and well. He has he is taken care of the resurrection problem. Number two, after he took care of the resurrection problem and answered that question, he pointed them to the promised power problem. So now what are we going to do? Jesus is gone. He's not here anymore. How are we going to live? How will we be able to be successful? Because Jesus is not here. You see, their dependency upon Jesus in the flesh was now over. Because he would no longer be there to provide daily instruction for them. He wouldn't be able to text them on their phone. And he wouldn't be able to send them an email and say, Oh, let's meet down at Starbucks today. He wouldn't be able to drop by their house anymore. Because Jesus in the flesh was no more. It was now Jesus in the Spirit. And they had to get from the flesh to the Spirit if they were going to be able to live the way that they needed to live successfully. And that's what some of you need to get in your spirit today. You're trying to be a Christian in your flesh and you can't do it. You're trying to be a Christian in the flesh on your terms, and it will never work that way. At some, some time in your life, you're going to have to make a decision that I can't be a Christian on my terms. Uh, if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I've got to actually follow him. I've got to actually do what his book says. I've got to actually be dedicated to the teachings of, of Jesus Christ. I have got to make up my mind. See, Jesus promised or pointed them to a promised power. Look at Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. It says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but they should wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times nor the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. In other words, he's saying, Stop thinking so much about when Jesus is going to come back and prophetic in time events and just concentrate on living every day in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 8, he says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 
This was not a new promise. He'd already made this promise to them. We see it in John chapter 16, verses 7 through 14, where he said to them, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. I like the way the King James Version says it. It says, it is expedient for you that I go away. It brings about this idea that it is necessary, it is needful, and it needs to happen right away. Because there are other things that need to be happening that cannot happen as long as I am here in this fleshly temple. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have so many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He said, how are we going to make it without Jesus? Oh, we don't make it without Jesus. He's alive and well. He ascended to the throne of heaven where he ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. But he said, listen, for your daily walk, uh, for what you need to know every moment of every day, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. The Father's going to send another one who is just exactly like me. We call him the comforter, and he's not going to just be in the neighborhood, but he's going to be in you uh, and live in you. the Spirit of God. Amen. And right on cue, right on cue, just like Jesus said, 10 days later, the Spirit came. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, let me just stop long enough to tell you that Pentecost is just a big word that means 50. That's all it means. We think about Pentecost and we start wanting to spit on people and lay hands on them and slap them upside of the head and say, you need some of that Pentecost. Let me kick you in the hind end and get some Holy Ghost in you. No, Pentecost just simply means 50. You say, well, why, why 50? Because the coming of the Holy Spirit was 50 days after the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We already read that it said that after he was raised from the dead, he was with them for 40 days. He walked with them for 40 days. And then he said, don't leave Jerusalem, but stay here for the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. And 10 days later, what's 40 plus 10? Somebody know? 50. When Pentecost had fully arrived. They were all together in one place and suddenly, say suddenly. There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled, say all filled, 
with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. What Jesus promised would happen, happened on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus wasn't the first one who had prophesied that he would come. The prophet Joel in the Old Testament had said that there was going to come a day. And when they were all filled and they spilled into the seats, they accused into the streets, they accused them of being drunk on wine. And they said, oh no, brothers, this is not what you think it is for we are not drunk with wine. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. He said, I want you to know that this is that which the prophet Joel said would come. Amen. I can tell by looking at you that you don't want anything to do with the Holy Ghost whatsoever. He said, I don't know, pastor. I'm pretty okay with just being saved. I don't mind at all just being saved and singing Amazing Grace. But when we start singing that, the wind is blowing again. The wind of glory is blowing again. Just like the day of Pentecost, the wind is blowing. When you start that nonsense, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with the lowest plan. I, 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 don't need, I don't need the silver or the gold or the platinum plan. I just need to barely get by. Listen, let me tell you. We need everything that God has in store for us. We need all that he has. And so I don't want to act weird. Well, then don't. You say, well, I don't, I don't want to roll up underneath the pews. Well, well then don't. I say, well, I, I don't want to scream and, and do the, the hokey pokey in the altar call. I don't, I don't want to put my left foot in and my right foot in and shake it all about. I don't, I don't want to do any of that kind of thing. Well, then don't. Just be filled with the Spirit. Just walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't care how much you shake your booty. He only cares that you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that he has given to you. So, Pastor, I wish we could go back to the old time ways. Well, then get on. Go. But you don't have to have all that. It's enough to have him. It's enough to have his spirit residing in you. I don't want all that nonsense. Well, then you'll never have the fulfilling of the spirit of what it means to live every day. You don't have to have all the trappings of the traditions, the traditions of Pentecost. Let me tell you something. If you got to do that to be filled with the Holy Spirit and saved, my wife's going to hell. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that. I've been married to her 38 years and she made me date her for two years prior to that. So for 40 years, I've been with this girl. I have never one time saw her shake her booty in church. Never once. Never one time have I seen her do the herky-jerky. Not once. I've never seen any of that. So if you've got to do that in order to be saved, then she ain't going to make it. We all need to be praying for Sister Donna today, amen? She's not going to make it. Listen, 
You don't have to have all that. You just need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You need to let His Spirit rise up in you and lead you. Every step that you take is being guided by the Holy Spirit. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Let His Word rise up in you and cause you to live like you know that you should be living and to live like He is alive. Amen. I promised myself that when we got these fancy cameras, I was going to try to be suave and debonair and not shout and spit and all that kind of stuff because those cameras are such high definition dudes that they spit, they can get the spit coming out of my mouth. But I think I've just come too far to turn back now. I just don't know any other way to preach than just be who I am. There's a third thing that he did. He announced and distributed his authority. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 16 through 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, say all authority, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Great, wonderful, fantastic. Now what's he going to do with it? He turns to them and he says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What he is saying is, I have all authority. It's mine. I can do with it whatever I want to do. I've earned it. It belongs to me. It is in my hand. Think about it. If there was any power whatsoever, if there was any authority that was greater than the authority of Jesus Christ, if hell had greater authority than Jesus had, then Jesus could not say and declare, I have all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth. If there was one power, if there was one authority, if there was one thing uh, that, could, that could put the power and the authority of Jesus Christ down, then Jesus could not say, I have all authority. He could make, he could not make that absolute authority. But praise God today when he said, I have all authority. The, the authority that, in, that is in heaven is mine. The authority that is on earth is mine. I have all authority. Well, what are you going to do with it, Jesus? I'm going to cause it to flow through and out of my people who are called by my name. Immediately, he said, go and make disciples. It doesn't say go and make converts. It doesn't say go and grab people by the neck and say, you're going to get saved today in Jesus' name, or I'm going to kick the living daylights out of you. It says take those uh, who, are, who are being drawn by the Spirit of God and are coming into relationship with them and make them disciples, help them to be able to live in such a way that they can live holy lives before God. Go and make disciples. Jesus told them one time, he said, I know you're amazed at what I've been doing. He 
healing the sick, raising the dead, all of those mighty things. He said, but here's something you need to know. There's a day coming when I won't be here anymore. But I want you to know that greater things than these shall you do because I'm going to the Father. The greater authority of Jesus Christ is going to reach more people, not because we're greater than Jesus or have more power than him, but because all authority that is his has been issued to his people and is now flowing through us into a world that is lost and dying. He said greater things. And one day Peter's walking to the temple to pray and there's a little beggar on the side of the road and he's whipping his little cup out and he's expecting to receive something from Pete. And Peter says, hey, listen, look at me. I want you to see. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have. What I do have in my possession, the authority that I do have right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. Get up and walk and be healed in the name of Jesus. And the scripture tells us that he was immediately healed by the authority of Jesus Christ that came flowing through the touch of the disciple. Man, do you know you've got the authority of Jesus living in you? Do you know that he has authorized you to authorize you to take his word and his promises? And bring them alive. Do you know that you're authorized to do his work? We used to sing an old song chorus several years ago. Tell them I can't answer it right now. We used to to sing this old song. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. How many of you remember it? Three of you. Praise the Lord. All of you that know it, stand up with me and let's sing it. I'm serious. Stand up. Let's sing it. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. I like this part. Though Satan rages, we will not be defeated. We've got the power in the name of the... Now, those of you who are still sitting down, how many of you remember it? You remember it? Good. Now stand up and let's all sing it. We've got the power. If you don't know it, sing it by faith name of Jesus. We've got the power. Do you have it, Brother Danny? In the name of the Lord, though Satan rages, I will not, I will not be defeated. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. Amen. You've got the power. Give him praise. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, you can sit down now. Final thought. Look at your neighbor and say, final thought. I survived. I made it. Ain't done yet. The fourth thing he did is he enlightened them about eternity. 
Do you know that you're going to live forever? I mean, go ahead and get the bad news out of the way. Are you ready? I want you to listen. The bad news is that contrary, contrary to some contemporary teaching, there is a hell that is an eternal place of horror for those who reject Jesus Christ. I wish that weren't so. I wish I didn't have to tell you that, but it's true. There is a hell. And for men and women who reject Jesus Christ, they will go there. They will not be annihilated. They will live forever in the reality that they missed the opportunity of a lifetime when they rejected Christ. But now I don't want to stay there for very long. But you did need to know that it's a reality. But I've got better news. I've got good news. The good news is there is a heaven being prepared for those who receive the gospel of Jesus Christ with gladness. Go back to Acts chapter 1 verses 9, and 11, 9 through 11. It says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes uh, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into heaven? This Jesus. I like King James Version because it says this same Jesus. It's not a different Jesus. It's not some other Jesus. It, it's not going to be Muhammad. It's not going to be Buddha. It's not going to be Hare Krishna. It's not going to be Oprah. It's going to be the same Jesus that you saw going is going to come in like manner in the same way that he went into heaven. Come help me quit, Sister Donna. I believe you are going to make heaven your eternal home. get a good whooping when I get home today, but I, but I like that, so it's not a problem for me. You, you can cut that out of the video if you want to. Don't send that to the overseer. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 through 18 we don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep for this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, we who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a cry and a shout and with the voice of the archangel. And God is going to play the trumpet. It says with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds, to meet the Lord there. So we will always be with the Lord. 
And he says, encourage one another with those words. Let me tell you something. I think sometimes we worry so much about being perfect. And we think that we'll never make it into heaven if we're not perfect. But that's not what the Bible says. It is by the grace of God that we make our eternal home with Jesus Christ in heaven. It's His grace. That means that you didn't do anything to deserve it. You can't do anything to deserve it. It's His grace that has brought you salvation. It is is His grace that allows you to say, well, but I feel like all my life I've, I've, I've seen this list that the church says you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this and pastor I'm just honest with you I, 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 I didn't do that and I can't, I can't do that and I, and I just don't know scripture says if any man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord that man that woman is saved in the name of Jesus they're saved you say oh but they weren't perfect pastor get off that tune stop singing that song I'm going to say something that's going to shock the living daylights out of some of you there has never been one perfect man or woman who knocked on the pearly gates of heaven and said, let me in because I was perfect. Every man, every woman that's ever walked through those pearly gates did so because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not deserve it. And when I get there, it's not going to be because I deserved it. It's not because I paid my tithe. It's not because I went to church three days a week. It's not because I did everything that the religious world said that I was supposed to do. It's going to be because I believed that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And I confessed it with my mouth and he saved me by his grace. Hallelujah. So today I'm saved because of Jesus Christ. And I'm looking forward to a day. I'm looking forward to that day. Some of the old preachers used to call it that great getting up morning. You can call it whatever you want to call it. All I know is, is on that day, I'm going to spend eternity. If I go by way of the grave, I'm okay with that. Because the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. I don't have a problem with that at all. But on the day that the rapture takes place, if I'm alive, all the dead saints of God are going to get up first. And they're going to look down at us and say, you're coming. Don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. And after they've come up out of the grave, we, which are alive and remain, are going to be caught up together with him in the the air. And we're going to be there forever. Jesus Christ. Oh, isn't that good news? He's alive. Why don't you live like it? He's alive. Why don't you walk every day like he's alive? 
Why don't you recognize that you have his power and authority living through you? Why don't you live like you've got the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within you? Why don't you live as though he's coming again? Because he is. And when he does, it's going to be a grand and glorious day for the people of God. Oh, what a day that will be. is your Savior. It's as simple as you right where you stand. You don't have to come down here. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but right where you stand, right where you are, you can make an intellectual decision right here. I really think Jesus is who he says he is. I really believe it. I, whatever that guy up there is talking about, something in me is saying, he's telling me the truth today. He is, Jesus is who he says he is. And I believe that he did what he said he did. I I believe he died for me. And I'm not sure how I'll make it. I'm not sure how this journey will go. But I feel compelled today to accept him into my life as Lord and Savior. And so I want to take just a moment and say to you, if if you're someone today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want you to simply pray this prayer with me right here. Nobody's looking around. Nobody is trying to figure out who you are. They're praying. Their eyes are closed. They're not, they're not interested in what you're doing. This is between you and me and Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. And I believe what this preacher has preached today. I believe that you died for me and I recognize my need for a Savior. Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins and put my name in the reservation book of heaven so that I no longer have to be concerned about where I will spend eternity because I know that as of today, this moment 
I'm your child. You love me and you care for me. I accept you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody keep your eyes closed, your head. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer, something similar to that with me, would you just right where you are, just raise your hand up and let me see who you are today. Can I see that affirmation today? Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good. God is so good. Now let me just say something to those that there's a time in your life when you walked very closely with Jesus Christ. But for some reason, you just kind of went another direction. Just kind of started doing other things. Let me tell you today, Jesus still loves you. And he still considers you one of his own children. And all he wants from you is for you to take a step close to him. See, when you draw yourself close to Jesus, he will draw himself close to you can start over. You can have this reset moment starting today. I pray that you'll do that today. In Jesus' name. Sing with me. Come on.